Well, let me welcome back Coach Bruton. Coach, do you have team updates for us? You know, no, no big team updates this week. Um, obviously, we're coming off a, a really disappointing loss and um, just looking to get back on track. We got a, we got a home game this Saturday, and, and excited about that. Excited about the opportunity uh, to keep playing, and and uh, you know, just got just got to work to continue to get better. But um, like I said, disappointing loss last week, and, and now our focus is on the Eureka. Well, let's talk about that game for a little bit. You get behind early. What were your thoughts on this contest? Yeah, you know, really disappointing, like I said. Uh, just didn't feel like we played with the right level of um, of energy, of emotion, of passion. You know, it seemed like Concordia was really locked in like we expected, um, and, and our team just didn't seem to ever really get there. Uh, I thought we played a lot harder in the second half. You know, we, we were um, pretty emotional at, at the halftime and, um, with the players, and the players, you know, uh, I thought we came out with better energy. Um, but, yeah, just, you know, just didn't play with the – the energy and passion that you need to play with. And that's really the disappointing thing is it's not so much the results. And obviously we're in a results-driven um, you know, business. There's a scoreboard for a reason. and uh, But just didn't feel like we played with the right mentality. And that's the thing that, like I said, it's just really disappointing as a coach. And, um, you know, that's what we got to try to come back this week. You know, our, our, our goal, our focus this week is just playing with better passion, um, you know, understanding that we get to play, not that we have to play. Um, so yeah, that, that was really it. You know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a ton of X's and O's. You know, I thought Concordia played well, uh, did some good things, but it, you know, it didn't feel like in any way um, wasn't a game we were capable of winning. Early on in the season, you guys were having great first half, struggling a little bit in the second half. It seemed that that script has flipped a little bit over the last few weeks. Is there anything you're kind of noticing different, or is just kind of maybe the opponent is playing a little bit better at those in those uh, halves? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is for us is just we've been inconsistent. You know, we, we haven't consistently um, played two halves really really the whole year. Um, and that's, you know, that's something we got to get better at, you know, playing, you know, playing long, a longer period of time and playing well. Um, you know, we, we've really struggled. Some of it's just variance. You know, we've really struggled um, in the red zone this year on, on both sides of the ball. We haven't gotten stops on defense. We're giving up, uh, you know, touchdowns at a very high rate. You know, offensively, we've been we've been awful in the red zone, you know, and I think some of it is just you know if you flip that a little bit on both sides, um, where you're a little bit more to the mean, you know, where you're you're scoring at more of an average rate on offense, you're you're giving up scores on a little more of an average rate on defense, um, you'd see a little more consistency. You know, we've moved the ball consistently, really against almost everybody, um, kind of up and down the field until we get in that red zone period, and we we haven't been very good there and. Um, defensively, you know, we've given up some big plays, and you know, a little bit of it's just just variance, and um, you know, but but I think some of it's just coming out with the right mentality, you know, coming out with the right energy, um, playing with the right focus, and, and all that stuff. And we haven't done that consistently all season. Lane, but first time he's been the starter, I think, since week two for you guys. How did you feel that he performed in this contest? He did some good things. Um, he missed a few throws, you know, but what I love about Lane, I thought he really competed, you know, and when you talk about guys that, you know, not playing with the right energy or passion, you know, uh, certainly I'm not talking about Lane. And I was really proud of the way he finished the game. You know, he threw a touchdown late in the last minutes, but just kept playing. Um, you know, I thought, thought he saw things well. I thought his decision-making was good. I uh, just missed some throws, you know. Some of that is just, you know, probably not having as many reps, um, you know, with the receivers and, you know, Robbie was a little bit of a late scratch. You know, we didn't we didn't know until about Wednesday that he wasn't going to be able to go. Um, he practiced Tuesday, and 
Um, so, so Lane didn't get kind of those, those first team reps on Tuesday. Um, so it's just a little bit, little bit of a you know, more limited week, I guess, in, in reps. And, um, you know, missed a couple throws. I thought he was, you know, effective in the run game. Uh, made good decisions. Um, obviously, he's a great leader. He's a captain for us. So I thought he did a lot of really good things. Uh, I think there's a couple of throws he'd like to have back that, you know, j- just missed on a couple of vertical shots, things like that. But overall, I thought he played well and, and um, you know, gave us a chance. And that was the biggest thing. I'm sorry, Coach, for interrupting. I apologize there for all of it. Um, let, let's talk about, you know, the way that you're looking at your defense performing right now. Uh, are, are you feeling like it is opponents are, are just kind of finding that big play that's turning series around, or how do you feel that they're performing and trying to stop opponents during games? Yeah, it's been, um, you know, we, we've given up some big plays. Part of it is, um, you know, probably the biggest part of it is, you know, we've struggled a little bit in trying to get pressure on the quarterback. You know, we haven't, we haven't created pressure. Um, so as a result, we've been a little more aggressive defensively than maybe we want to be with some of our pressure packages. And as a result, we're putting our defensive backs in some uh, tough situations. We're playing a ton of man coverage, a ton of cover zero. Um, you know, but we haven't been able to get pressure. And, and really, you know, the, the loss of DJ Stuckey early in the year, he was kind of our, our most dynamic pass rusher. And um, he's been out since week two and, and, and will be out for the year. And you know, his loss to our defense was, was really huge, just as that kind of dynamic guy that can get pressure, uh, can draw a double team, things like that. So, you know, some of it is, you know, we've given up a couple big, you know, big plays. It seems like every game, a couple big pass plays. But you know, a lot of it is we're putting a ton of pressure on our defensive backs to play a lot of man coverage. Um, you know, so it's a little bit of, of kind of pick your poison. You, you can die a slow death if you can't stop the run and you can't uh, get pressure and you kind of let teams pick you apart that way. Uh, or you can take some chances and, and – um, you know, I, I think we've held up well. You know, we've given ourselves a chance in almost every game defensively. Um, you know, so I, I think we're playing playing okay. Um, <coughs> just haven't been able to make those difference-making plays. You know, we have, <coughs> haven't sacked the quarterback, haven't uh, turned people over, and it's tough to win when you can't do those things. This week you take on Eureka. They've been struggling a little bit this season. Give me your thoughts on this contest. Yeah, it's going to be, um, I think, a pretty even battle. You know, I think two teams that, that are probably uh, disappointed at where they're at right now, uh, they come in, they, you know, they really try to run the ball, um, good offensive line, strength of their defense is their defensive line. So I really think the line of scrimmage, you know, how we hold up on the line of scrimmage on both sides is going to be a big key. Um, you know, they have two really good receivers that uh, they probably, you know, they really try to get the ball to that. Um, they've had a little bit of struggles at quarterback. They've played a couple different guys there. Um, but two guys that you really got to keep, in, you know, you know where they're at at all times because they're difference makers, that receiver. Um, and then defensively, you know, they, they play some man coverage. They'll bring some pressure, uh, you know, similar to us. You know, they're going to give you some opportunities to throw the ball because they're going to play some man coverage and put their DBs in some tough spots. And, you know, they really get up and into you with their corners and some press coverage, things like that. So, you know, again, for us, you know, the, the focus is really us, though. It's, it's, it's playing with the right energy, playing with the right emotion, um, finding the passion that we need. Um, to play with, and if we do that, you know, we feel like at home, you know, we're going to have a, a really good shot in this game. Um, but again, we we have to play at that level. You know, you can't wish it to happen. You have, you got to go out and make it happen. This is an interesting offense because they've used two quarterbacks. Both of them are a, a bit inconsistent in the way they throw. Plus, they've used four different running backs quite extensively. How do you prepare for a team like that? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, we, we expect that we'll probably see both quarterbacks at some point. Um, you know, the running game doesn't change as much with the different backs, so it's not as much of a change. Um, and even the offense with the two quarterbacks doesn't, doesn't change drastically. It's just a little bit different styles. Um, you know, but it, it's similar to where we've been. You know, we've played a couple different quarterbacks. We've played a bunch of different running backs. And, um, you know, at some point you kind of just prepare for the next guy and, and uh, try to prepare a little more for the schemes and things like that. But yeah, I think, you know, like us, they're trying to find the right mix and the right um, combination that, that can make things happen. So, um you know, we're, we're kind of prepared more for the scheme and, and know that, you know, for us, stopping the run is going to be a huge key defensively. Um, and then being really disciplined with their play action shots and, and, and the big plays they try to get off of the running game. Now, Devin Harris has really become quite a weapon for you over the last couple of weeks. Do you see him being a guy that you could lean on for 25, maybe even 30 carries a game for the remainder of the season? Yeah, absolutely. You know, he stepped in and, uh, he was our starter week one um, against Illinois College, and uh, you know I thought it ran a little bit tentatively early in the year, and he's just picking up so much confidence. He, he's he's running like the back we we expect him to be uh, early in the year. He's been fantastic. I mean, he's been um, you know probably our, our best offensive player, one of our best offensive players the last two or three weeks, and um, just running running confidently, running authoritatively. I think he touched it 39 times last week. Um, caught the ball out of the backfield. He had nine catches out of the backfield and, and um, really just ran hard. He's running through tackles. And, um, you know, he, he is uh, as improved a player as I've seen over a season, if that makes sense. You know, from week one to where he is now, week eight, he's improved as much as anybody I've ever seen. Uh, that's a testament to him and, and testament to, uh, you know, to, to Coach Burks and our, our running back group. And um, he, he's playing really, really well. So, you know, again, a position that early in the year, you know, we talked about it was kind of a question mark, um, having lost Larry and didn't really know what we have in the running backs. Um, you know, between Vaughn and Jay going forward, you know, along with the other guys, uh, really becoming a huge, huge strength for our program. So excited about him, excited about what he's going to do, and um, he's a guy that's going to continue to earn carries, and, and you know, he'll be, he'll be kind of the primary guy the rest of the year we're expecting, but, but even going into next year, He's a guy that's earned carries, you know, and, you know, even with, you know, having Jay back and whoever else we bring in, he's, he's earned a huge role in our offense. Well, let's jump into fan questions this week. Mike has an interesting one to start with. He says, Coach Trusty there at Lake, or excuse me, at Wisconsin Lutheran used to be the offensive coordinator for you. Do you use some of his offensive plays now that you're the offensive coordinator at Lakeland? And do you see after he had so much success last week against Eureka, being able to use that style against that team this week? Yeah, it's a great question. It, it's, you know, it is a huge advantage when we follow WLC with an opponent, um, you know, because we can watch what they're doing. Our offenses um, are similar. You know, we've kept some of the same concepts that, that Coach was running here. Um, you know, the run game, you know, our zone scheme is, is pretty similar. Uh, they're doing more stuff with an H-back, so a little bit more 11 personnel than we are. We're more of a 10 personnel team, but... Uh, certainly there's things that they do that, that are very, very similar to us, or we can get to that same look. Um, so anytime that we follow them against an opponent, um, you know, it's a huge advantage. And anytime you can uh, see an opponent or see, it, see a team that um, runs a similar scheme to you, you kind of use that film a little bit more than you might use a different film just to kind of, uh, kind of gauge what might work and, and you know, where they wanted to attack them and, you know, some of it is, you know, you can, you can kind of see, I, I know Coach Tresky so well, but I can kind of see how he's trying to set things up or what kind of his progression and play calling is. 
um, you know, and obviously he's had a ton of success. Uh, they're having a, a really good year down there, and um, they had a great week last week. You know, had had a great week running the ball and, and played a freshman quarterback that's playing well. You know, and he played really well against Eureka. And so yeah, for sure. We you know we'll use that film and um, you know, just, just kind of see some of the things that they did, and, and obviously try to try to replicate that success. Pete would like to know: Do you see Robbie getting to go this week, or will we see Lane back under center? Yeah, uh, we're, we're expecting Robbie to be able to go. So, um, you know, obviously it's, it's Thursday, and he, he practiced yesterday, and, and um, you know, we expect him to be back. Obviously, Wayne will be ready, but um, the expectation is that Robbie will be uh, will be will be the starter, and um, you know, hopefully, you know, kind of continue the momentum. I felt like we had some really good momentum with Robbie. He was playing really well, and as, as we talked about, kind of getting better every week as we went along, and, and hopefully we can just pick right up at where he was and. Uh, you know, not have any not have any setbacks or anything like that. So he's looking good, looking healthy, um, and he should be he should be back on Saturday. Stephen would like to know related to that. Your quarterback gets hurt, suffering a concussion. How do you balance protecting them, maybe sitting him for the last few weeks of the the season, but still wanting to develop them and have them ready for upcoming seasons? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's totally on our, our medical team, our trainers. And, you know, if they, if they say a guy's ready to go and, and they're not putting themselves at risk, you know, we're going to continue to play him. Um, if they have any doubts that, that he would not be ready to go, he's obviously not going to play. So, you know, we don't get involved with any sort of, you know, kind of injury discussions, um, you know, especially if it's a head, you know, a head or, or something that, that is going to be that, that significant. You know, if a, if a guy has a, a sprained ankle, you know, we, we might say, hey, can, can he tape it or what, what options do we have? Could he play through this? Uh, but when it's ahead, there, there, there's really no discussion. Um, the trainers handle that, and they put him through a pretty rigorous return-to-play policy, you know, so uh, for all of our guys, any, anybody that would have a head injury would go through a really rigorous return-to-play, um, you know, and, and until they're ready, um, until they're symptom-free, until they can go through kind of a, a buildup of, of workouts and, and pretty strenuous exercise and then um, non-padded practices, non-contact practices, then a contact practice and things like that. You know, they're, they're not, you know, even considered to step back on the field. But you know, our trainers do a great job. We're, we're blessed to have two full-time trainers that are with football, you know, every practice, every game. And, you know, they let us know when a guy's able to go and, and when they're not. And, um, you know, if there's an injury during the game, you know, they, they have, you know, 100% um, – Decision making, you know. I think back to uh, to last year, you know, when when Tez had to leave the Aurora game and at kind of a critical point, and um, was obviously really disappointing. And and you know, Tez uh, will still argue that he could have kept playing in that game, but you know, the, the trainers make that call, and, and you know, it's great to have that off of our plate as coaches. But it's also in the best interest of the student athlete. You know, we want to keep them safe, and um, those people are the medical professionals that have the experience and know how to diagnose those things and know the tests and things like that. And, um, you know, we, we just trust their judgment at all times. Lee says, your Bears and the Packers have the same record. So were the Packers overrated or are the Bears a little better than you thought? Uh, maybe both. Um, maybe both. The Packers have looked awful. And I think they are fundamentally broken. Um, the Bears, you know, obviously looked really good Monday night. So, Hopefully that uh, it's a sign of things to come. But I think the Bears are doing some good things with Fields. They're uh, they're moving him a little bit more. He, he seems to get like he's getting more comfortable. They're running the ball pretty effectively. Um, you know, so I, I was really happy with some of the stuff that they did on Monday night. Um, it, it was kind of a pleasant surprise. Uh, but but 
you know, as, as pleasant as that was, watching the Packers just struggle and watching Rodgers um, call out his teammates and, and kind of act like a terrible leader, um, that, that's also pretty pleasant for me. So um, I, I don't know. I, I, think, I think Minnesota is very vulnerable. I don't think they're quite as good as their record. Um, you know, so I don't know what's going to – I still think Minnesota's probably the best bet in the division just with the big lead they have, but – uh, I don't see it with Green Bay. I don't. I think they're going to get beat big this week, and and it, it just looks like a really kind of flawed process for them right now. Not that the coach is enjoying Packers suffering in any way. Not at all. <laughs> Craig says I understand that Philadelphia is undefeated, and there are a couple of teams at six and one. But do you feel like there's no real dominant team in the NFL this year? Yeah, I think that that's absolutely the case. I, I think. Uh, especially the NFC. The NFC just kind of seems like a mess. You know, Philly at 6-0 has been impressive, but, you know, if you told me, you know, I, I would certainly not be surprised if Philadelphia w- was not the NFC representative. Uh, the AFC to me seems to be a little bit more clarity with, you know, I think Buffalo and Kansas City are probably the two best teams, and uh, we'll see what happens, you know, if they can stay healthy and things like that. But I, I would think that, um, you know, those two guys are, th- those two teams and those two quarterbacks are probably the best bet right now. The NFC, you know, if you told me that, you know, Philly was there, I, I would say, okay, I, I believe that. But if you told me it was, at the end of the year, it was Dallas or it was, you know, I still think San Francisco. Um, you know, if you told me, you know, it was Minnesota, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, and, and I think there's other things, you know, if Tampa can somehow figure it out and get right. Or uh, I think there's a number of teams that, that could be there. So it seems a little more wide open than it's ever been, um, you know, this year, which is pretty cool. Cassandra would like to know, she says, after listening to last week's show, it seemed like you were implying that at some point you had a lot of weight on you. Does that mean 154, 155? What is heavy for Coach Groton? I was, uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say a lot of weight. I think it's all relative, but, um, yeah, I mean, upper 150s was probably my high. When I, when I played in college, I was a little under 150, and that was probably when I was, you know, I believe that's the best shape of your life, whatever. Um, you know, so so going from from 148 to 158, um, you know that that's that's a, a big jump, you know. And obviously, you get in worse shape the uh, the older you get. Uh, but but yeah, we've been we've been at it pretty hard. So I feel uh, I'm 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 now under my my playing day weight. Um, certainly not as strong as I was then, and things like that. But yeah, I guess it's all relative. But um, when you look in the mirror, when you're expecting to see one thing, you look in the mirror and see something else, it's a little bit of a motivating factor. So, Ken would like to know, he says, let's get back to some top five and bottom five lists, Coach. So give us top five overrated bands, top five underrated bands. Oh, wow. Put me on the spot. I, I will say I'm not a huge, uh, I won't say I'm a huge music guy, Um uh, this one, this one's tough for me, but I, you know, I am not a fan of uh, any of like the hard rock stuff. So any of like the the old school '80s rock, the Metallica, Aerosmith, um, Kiss, any of those bands, I, I don't have any affinity for. So um, I would say, you know, they're probably a little overrated. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if I got a great answer for this one. Um, not not a huge huge music guy, but um, yeah, we'll have to go with that. Uh, put me on the spot here, Rob. <laughs> we'll blame Ken. Let's blame Ken the three. All right, 
Well, we'll move on then. How about Elijah this week, who says, I don't understand, Coach, how you can like Halloween but hate cats. Isn't that an oxymoron? You know, I think, um, obviously, obviously cats are part of the Halloween mystique, but uh, cats are evil 365 days out of the year, not just on Halloween. So I think you got you got to separate that. Um, you know, I... I um, yeah, obviously, I've been very clear about my feelings about cats, and uh, my my love for Halloween is really based purely on candy. It's really a love for candy, um, and the mechanism to get free candy, you know, seems uh, seems fairly simple. It seems like the trade-off of walking a few city blocks to get a bunch of free candy seems fair. So I wouldn't say I'm a huge um, lover of Halloween as much as I'm a huge lover of candy. So uh, maybe that's where the separation comes in. Um, and, and cats are evil, like I said, 365 days out of the year. So there's there's no love lost for, for cats. And that was a good lead-in because Patty asked, she says, I think I heard from previous year's shows that you get a portion of whatever your kids take in for candy. How did that work out? Yeah, it's kind of a tax. You know, you're, uh, you know, somebody's buying the costumes, somebody's, uh, you know, driving them or, or walking them around the neighborhood. So, I feel like there needs to be a tax at some point, and um, you know, it's not like I'm taking a, you know, it's not like they're coming in. And I'm getting 10% or, or 20% off the top, but uh, you know, generally, I think what happens with Halloween is, you know, in our house at least, is you know, all the kids have their buckets, and at some point, the the three buckets become one bucket or one huge bucket, um, and from there, it's kind of a free for all, you know, and um, you get to a point somewhere you know, a couple weeks down the line or maybe 10 days down the line where all of a sudden there's more empty wrappers in the bucket than there are actual pieces of candy. And that's a, that's a great trick from the kids is uh, instead of throwing away your wrapper, just put it right back in the bucket so it looks like you didn't have any candy. Um, but, yeah, I think at that point it's, it's kind of a free-for-all in the house. And uh, you got to know that, you know, at some point you're going to be left with a bunch of Biddo honeys and some Smarties and some other candy that nobody really wants. So you gotta, you gotta go in, you got to go in quick and go in hard and uh, – you know, get your Reese's and your Twix and your Milky Ways and your, your Snickers and uh, and get your cut right away. Yeah, candy corn and Smarties, never got it. That, not not a big fan, yep. <laughs> Joe would like to know, he says, I'm loving the humor that you add in to your words of wisdom each week. Is that something you come up with on the spur of the moment? A little bit of both, you know. A couple of the weeks have been uh, stuff that's happened during the weeks and uh, other ones have been... Um, you know, kind of, uh, kind of, kind of spur of the moment. So, obviously, there's stuff that comes to you during the week, and you know, obviously, uh, you know, the the breakdown with the Disney Plus password was something that did not happen at uh, at 10 o'clock Central Time in the morning on Thursday. But uh, you know, some of the other ones have been kind of spur of the moment things or things I've been thinking for a long time. So, a little, little combination of everything. And let's have our words of wisdom this week, Coach. Yeah, I think uh, this week, you know, kind of Halloween themed here. Um, really, two things. The first thing I'll say is you got to you got to plan your route. Uh, we've talked about this before, uh, but there's a number of variables that go into this. Um, you know, so some of it is obviously proximity to your home. Uh, you know, some of it obviously is you, you want to get into a neighborhood uh, where your kids are going to be able to hit multiple houses um, w- without having to cross streets. You know, that slows you down. You want to make sure that uh, you're going to be in a place that, that uh, you know, you don't want to be in, you know, sometimes people think, oh, I'll go to the, the really wealthy neighborhoods, right? Um, that, that can be a good plan because maybe they're giving away better candy. But the, the converse of that is that you're going to also see bigger lots, which is going to mean more walking in between houses. 
Um, it also may mean that people aren't quite as willing to let the kids go, go across the lawn. Um, if you've got to walk back out to the sidewalk or the street to get to the next driveway, that's going to really slow you down. So I want you to be strategic. You know, take the next couple of days, drive around, um, see what neighborhoods are going to be you know, most conducive, you know, houses per steps, that type of thing. Uh, map it out. And then I think it's, it's important to drive your kids around, let them know what the route's going to be so they kind of mentally prepare for the game. You know, we don't go into a game on Saturday uh, without a scouting report, without a game plan. Um, and I want to make sure that your kids know, you know, kind of what the expectations are, where you're headed, what type of effort they're going to need. Um, you know, and, and that's really it. I think, I think preparing for Halloween, you got to prepare for it like it's a game. Uh, the, the last Halloween thought I got is, is this. You know, we've been invited in the past to uh, different adult Halloween parties that require costumes. Um, and the stress to come up with a costume is, is pretty, pretty high. You've got to plan that in advance. Um, you know, there, there's, there's a little bit of competition to have a good costume. Uh, I do not have a costume yet for Halloween. Um, our basketball coach, uh, him and his uh, new wife, uh, are putting on a Halloween party, and, and they are very strict, or I should say she is very strict on the costume regulations. Um, and it's creating a little bit of stress, trying to think of something uh, in the next couple of days to wear for Halloween. So uh, think about that stuff in, in advance if you're going to go to an adult party. Uh, bring your A game and, and, uh, and make sure you're ready to go. I want to say this is the only podcast show in America where somebody's talking about topography and geography related to trick-or-treating. So, hey, <laughs> got to like it. People will thank me later. Coach, thanks for joining us this week. Thanks, Rob.